Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Still in the early days of uh, season three of the CJ show. Uh, We're still in preseason mode over here, but we are going to get to some hockey talk. We're going to talk about some of the best free agents available. Uh, Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman were at the GM meetings last week. We'll get to that. And it's the first Monday show of the new season. So uh, we will have an Ask CJ and we are going to take in some questions off of Twitter. Uh, Maybe there's some some questions on Discord still lingering around, but we're definitely going to take some off Twitter. But... Since we're still in preseason mode. Well, actually, before that, CJ's in a really good mood. He has a very wide Dude. smile on his face. For those who are watching on YouTube or those who are not watching on YouTube uh, and are listening on the audio, can you tell us why you're in such a good mood, CJ? Just let I, me tell I, you. There please. is no, there is not one single chocolate bar take that you could have today that will ruin my mood. There's nothing you could say about poutine that's going to spoil how I feel. In fact, the fact all that you said poutine weird- the way that you did, I'm already upset. All of your weird food takes combined could not puncture the balloon of happiness that is hanging above my head today after that weekend in which my Dallas Cowboys start off with a 40 to nothing win at the Giants. The Blue Jays swept the Kansas City Royals firmly back in playoff position. This is it actually it's good because we don't get to enjoy this the way hockey fans do, right? This is how hockey fans are going to start feeling, you know, come mid-October, they start seeing their teams play games, someone's going to get off to a great start. This is how I feel. Like I'm ready to be hurt again by both the Blue Jays and the Cowboys. Don't get me wrong. I know that I I know that this probably won't end up the way I want it ultimately, but after this weekend, it's just nothing but bliss. You know, it's early in the season in the NFL, late in the season and regular season in the MLB. And my teams are winning. Beautiful. Why do you let yourself get your expectations up so high? Like for the teams I support, I have been so beaten down by them underwhelming year after year after year. I refuse to let myself feel excited unless it truly is warranted. Why do you choose the opposite where you have nothing but optimism throughout the entirety of the time until it comes to a point where you know, the inevitable happens and you're disappointed. Why do you do this to yourself? Well, defense wins championships, bud. And I don't know if you watched any of that Cowboys-Giants game, but the Cowboys D and special teams ran roughshod over New York. And so it's allowed me to believe that they can win. And look at the Blue Jays. I mean, I don't know if you're following MLB that closely, Julian. They have one of the best pitching staffs from top to bottom in the league. That's what you need to win come playoff time. And so while neither team would be branded a favorite, if we did one of those odd segments right now, I'm sure my odds wouldn't be great in either case. But I don't know. I can just I can I can start to I watch games like the ones I saw this weekend and I can start to like construct a case in my mind for maybe, maybe, maybe why this time's worth believing. Okay. Well, I can't be I don't want to be that guy with you and destroy any hope that you have. I'm the only reason why I'm upset about the Cowboys win is because Tony Pollard scored two touchdowns and lost me my uh, week in the SDPN fantasy football league, which leads me to my next question. Why are you not in our fantasy football league? I'm at full bandwidth on fantasy, man. I can't. How many teams are you with? 
I have two fantasy football teams, and that is one too many already. Oh, okay. I can't multitask. How do you do it? Are you in like 10 leagues? Like, how do you do it? I so norm, normally I am like you, where like I hold myself to just two and that's it. I'm in four this year, and including the SDPN league. Uh, for those who don't know, maybe it's been mentioned on the Steve Dangle podcast. There is a fantasy football league with all of the SDPN people. Uh, I'm not sure who I'm up against this week, but literally Tony Pollard crushing it in that Cowboys game lost me my week. So I guess this is a huge faux pas that I didn't join, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know if it's a faux pas. I, I I thought you'd be in it. I was looking forward to you being in it, and then you're not you're not there. Maybe they'll grant me an expansion franchise in year two. I I mean, look, I'm I'm sure if you wanted to get in, I'm sure they'd find a way to add you in for week two. You just Maybe not, but like no year two. I'm not joining for week two. I know you wouldn't join for week two. I was making that joke, but all that to say, like you know, you're 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 a big part of the franchise here, buddy. Like I'm sure I'm sure they would find ways to accommodate you if need be. Here's my two problems. I mean, one with buddies that goes back. I think it's we're on about our fifteenth year, and yes. I actually just won my third championship in that league last season. Three banners Congrats, up yes. in the rafters. Congratulations. Uh, so that one, you know, like I'm pot committed. Like fifteen years in, like. The cool thing is, and, and I won't even name the site we use, but the site we use keeps the history. Like you can see my all-time record against like teams over 15 years. Like, and it's, again, it's an old group of friends. And then I'm in another pool with a lot of hockey people, some, some media people, some agents, the like. And so I'm, you know, I'm kind of in on that one. Plus that one I tanked last year. Like you should have saw our draft. It was hilarious. I was picking like every other pick because I just traded my whole roster away. And I've got a stacked team. And so I'm obviously in on that pool this year because I got a chance to win the championship. And so there was only so much room on my scorecard. Okay, that's fair. So you just. I also had a conflict on draft night. Two of the drafts were on the same night. Ah, I had. Go ahead. And Jesse, I saw Jesse Blake made a rule no, no auto drafting. Like you have to be there for the draft. And so I couldn't, you know. Uh, but like yeah, I, I I guess I could understand that. I had, I think I had that draft, and then literally like an hour after that, it went by really fast. So I was able to do a second draft literally an hour after with a whole bunch of buddies that I have. So I'm with, okay. I'm with. So I have that league, which I've been, I've won in that league before. Just old couple buddies from from home, the SDPN league, um, Yahoo because I do zone time. They put me in their league, and uh, a Calgary media one. And uh, oh, wow. yeah, the the Calgary media one, I'm I'm very ashamed about. That's the probably the worst team I've ever picked. Uh, Cooper Cup being on IR has doomed me, and I lost by like point six zero in that league to Eric Francis, who knew oh, nothing wow. the franchise, do, who doesn't do fantasy sports at all. It's my greatest shame, and I'm getting ahead of it now because I know I'm going to get roasted in the group chat later this week. I'm getting ahead of this now because I can't so tell me this. Terrible. Do you ever do hockey pools anymore? I haven't really done a I haven't really done one in a while. I would like to do one. I was my next question to you. Do you do them? No chance. Like why not? Because it feels too much like work. Like I would hate that if I was working on a story, whatever, this player getting traded, this player signing, this player coming back from injury. And my first thought is I've got to go to my pool and like activate them or put in a waiver claim or whatever. Um, what I love about the NFL, it's just so far outside, you know, it's kind of like my 
it's so far outside the purview of what we do. And, and it's, I find it really easy to manage with, you know, games primarily on one day a week. I know there's obviously Thursday and, and Monday night games, but you know, it's, it's not, you're not setting a lineup daily. I, I just find it's easier. So I, I definitely would not do a hockey pool. Uh, so I didn't join the SDPN football pool because I was at bandwidth on football, but no chance on hockey. Tell you what, I, I like there's something with the NFL and the fact that you really have to think about setting your team maybe once, maybe twice in a week. And you go through the week and we all know the games are on more or less at the same time on the Sunday, just the pageantry of all of it compared to the NHL, where it goes on for how many months there's games every day. And there is a time when partway through you just check out and you're not checking that team. That's also kind of affected how I've how, how I've taken in hockey pools, but I would more than I would love to be in an SDPN hockey pool with Adam, Jesse, all those guys, even if like I forget about it, like halfway through the season. Well, if you guys launch that, I'll be the commissioner. I'll make rulings on your like BS trades and all the stuff you guys do. But uh, I'm not I'm not joining as a, as a participant. OK, let me get to two other quick things here. Uh, very quickly. Oh, before we get are we going to talk about the news of the day? Or are we just going to riff on this? We're going to get to the news of the day, CJ. It's probably going to be like after you can bet that, though. If we're, remember, we're still in preseason mode here. Um, but there's two things I want to mention. Uh, you mentioned the bit really big sports weekend. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention Canada being the United States at the uh, FIBA tournament. They've already clinched a berth uh, in men's basketball to make it to the Olympics. Just wanted that quick shout out out there because phenomenal by the way just that just needs to be mentioned in all of this just needs to be said and the only other thing i want to mention to you siege on the last episode of the sdp i know we you mentioned food take so i really want your food take on this one on the last episode of the sdp uh the boys mentioned a uh tweet from darren rovell about uh, a particular food item at philadelphia eagles games called the slim chicken 2.0 it consists of uh Fried chicken, I guess, breaded with frosted flakes, uh, cheese. Uh, I think the brand is Cooper Sharp Cheese, honey glazed bacon, cherry jam, ghost chili peppers with apple fritters as the bun. Adam said he would rather eat this than nachos. CJ, are you eating this? Wow, that's a take from Adam, eh? It's a wild take, but like, because <laughs> I, I would probably, I would take nachos over that sandwich, but I would eat that sandwich also. So basically, I'm your incinerator. Just just send me your your junk food. You you are built different than me. Why would you eat this? Because it sounds delicious. No, it doesn't. I think we've gotten to the bottom of you, Julian. You don't like mixed case. Like you you don't like like what in there individually do you not like? Would you eat an apple fritter? Would you eat bacon? Would you eat fried chicken with cornflakes? Would you eat cheddar cheese? Like of course you eat all those things. Like so why not put them together? It'd be amazing. Because I don't, and you know what? The only person I want to hear from this is my mom. I'm going to ask my mom about this because she actually went to culinary school and she actually cooked. I just don't trust that all these flavors coming together make sense. That's it. See, like for, you have all the sweet stuff and then random like ghost chili peppers in there. Like you're expecting sweetness and then you're going to get kicked in the fu- in, in the liver. I almost swore. Wow. It's, it seems nuts. You can you can mix savory and sweet, man. Some of the best things on earth are a mix of savory and sweet. 
I, I, look, I don't discredit that, but I do I want this to be the thing I mix? I don't know. This sounds like something that like a five-year-old would put together. Why would I why would I go to a stadium and eat this? Well, I mean, the only issue I have is I wouldn't go to an Eagles game as a Cowboys fan. Yeah. I don't no. know if I I'm not sure I'd get out of there alive. And, no. and, I, and I wouldn't enjoy the experience. But other than that, other than that, if you could like get me one of these from the sandwich or from the, the stadium and I'm sitting in the parking lot, I would 100 percent eat that. I wonder, like, if you get all of the members of the SDP, uh, everyone from the Steve Dangle Podcast Network should get one of these, and we should see exactly how they would consume one of these. I would love to see, I, every, like, get everyone. To I'm not kidding. Things. I would love it. I mean, I'm on a detox right now, so everything sounds good. Like the idea of all of that, I'm just like, oh my god. You're doing sober September, right? Sober September, no sugar, no carbs, basically. So, so I'm eating pretty clean at the moment. So the, the idea of any junk food, I'm just like, it's like 930 in the morning right now. And I'm just like, my mouth is salivating at the thought of all this. I'm not, I don't want to judge. It's just when you were mentioning like no sugar, no carbs, that was the most defeated I've seen you look. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no sugar, no carbs. I can't do any of this. It's like, I'm eating like, you know, my snacks are like cucumbers chopped up right now. You know, oh, if I get man. wild, I can dip them in hummus right now. Oh, man. Um, one other thing before we get to, you could bet that actually, I should say. Uh, I know this week for me, uh, in, with, with Calgary, the uh, golf tournament's going on uh, in Montreal, literally as we're recording right now. Uh, so by the time you get this, will have already happened. Uh, the uh, annual golf tournament for the Canadians that's going on right now. We're, we're in golf tournament season uh, for all these different NHL teams. I believe the Leafs you had mentioned off air next week. Do you like those events? What do you think about those events? Those opportunities to get to talk to those players and 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 catch up on their summers. Like, what do you think about their like news value and and getting to be around those guys? Like, what do you think of those? The news value is limited. Let's call it. Although yeah. you know, it seems like the Canadians make a lot of people available, including their general manager Kent Hughes. So you know, he has yes. updated some things with various players. So there is news value there if you're in Montreal covering the Canadians. But in general, I, I find what they're nice. It's it's the first reintroduction. Uh, I know some people are, are covering the summer skates, but but in general, it's your first chance to see each other again, whether it's the PR staff, the, the media members themselves, some of the players, quick catch up on the summer. And, and it's a signal that that training camp's coming. Um, you know, let's face it. It's a tough time of year uh, for, for creating a lot of interest in what's going on. Uh, it starts, though, once you get into camp and, you know, things are happening. There's battles for roster spots. There's guys on PTOs. There's injuries that come up, you know, lots of decisions that teams have to make as they get cap compliant in October. So, you know, it's the start of something, you know, this is week also is rookie tournaments, Julian. So we're going to get mm-hmm. a lot of that. And I would urge our colleagues out there. I know everyone has a job to do, but the live tweeting of rookie tournament games can be a bit much. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying show some discretion. <laughs> I'm not like, look it, I get it. At every rookie tournament, there's going to yes. be, you know, there's going to be a star prospect or two that your fan base is engaged with. Like I get that. And if that person does something good or bad, Fair enough, but just Team Black beating Team Red 4-2. I mean, just use some discretion when you're out there. When you're when you're thinking, should I tweet this or should I post this on X? Just think carefully. Do you, do you was this intended for someone specifically? No, I just know. I just remember this. I think of the golf tournaments, and then I think of like scrolling through my. You know, I follow a lot of hockey people, and it's just. But with all due respect, just a lot of the players in the rookie tournament will never become nhl players is just a fact and and damn the, well 
look at the rosters. I mean, a lot of them aren't even drafted, right? To, to fill out teams, you know, teams have to invite a lot of guys. I'm not saying there aren't good stories there, but just the live tweeting of games that literally don't matter is a little much. Chris Johnston, noted dream killer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just look at the numbers, man. It's just... <laughs> it's playing around. Sorry, we're okay. we're already off the rails. Show two of the season, we are off it, the rails. Better show two than show twenty-two that we do this. But uh, you did mention the numbers. That's probably a good segue for us to get to David Bastel, and you can bet that. And then we will get to uh, some more hockey talk on the Chris Johnston show. You can bet that with David Bastel. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. Nineteen plus. Please play responsibly. Time for another edition of You Can Bet That with David Bastel. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. We went through the Stanley Cup odds the last time we had DB on. It's time to go through who could win the East and the West, DB. Who you yes. Yeah, separate conferences, of course. Uh, they have odds on it for uh, everything at Sports Interaction. We'll break down divisions coming up in the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, it's all about futures, right, guys? So we talked about the, the big cup. Now let's go down for the conferences. Let's start off in the East. Toronto Maple Leafs are the favorites right now, paying about five, five and a half to one, somewhere in there. I know CJ and I uh, talked about the Devils, but I'm going to throw in some other teams here because, you know, the Devils and the Hurricanes and, and the Lightning are in the conference conversation as far as the odds are concerned but let me throw two teams at you any love for the pittsburgh penguins at about 12 to 1 the buffalo sabers close to 16 to 1 and what everybody's saying now but the ottawa senators at 18 to 1 now this is to win the conference so this is the representative that heads to the stanley cup like some of those teams when i say it it's hard for me to say because i'm not buying it but i'm looking for value i'm going to dollarama right now and i'm looking for the best value here i don't want to go to the big stores i want to go to the value stores so here we are shopping in the beginning of september guys and uh just wondering if you have any love for any of those teams I'm not sure i have love on this one but you could have got great value in florida at this time last year so it's not so crazy when you actually look at it, you know, in that light. Yep, that's a fair point too. Uh, you ne- look, we we look at the the names on paper, we think yep. they are what they are, and then come April, all of a sudden, some team squeaks in, or some team out of nowhere surprises us. You never know. Now's the time to get in on some of the best odds that are available at Sports Interaction DP. Thank you as always for joining us, and don't forget to check out SportsInteraction.com/sdpn for all the best odds. Before game, in game, and the best props, sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. CJ, we should take a moment and think about some of the best players available on the free agent market. And I get it. Maybe some of you guys are hearing this and are thinking, isn't it kind of thin? Like, like who could possibly be out there? Maybe for PTOs, I guess. That's kind of what we're thinking for this. Uh, let's talk about some of those guys. CJ, who's on your mind? Who could be close to something? Uh, we've seen some guys like Tyler Mott sign over the weekend as well. Let's delve into this topic. Yeah, well, I'll say this. There, there tends to be some good September buys if you look back over time. I mean, sometimes for whatever reason, like we all know the salary cap has barely gone up in five years, right? I mean, it's it's just been small incremental bumps, if anything. And so often some of the players in the middle or even the bottom of the pay scale get squeezed out. and and so. There are players out there that find themselves without work that I think could make a difference. And, you know, for me, the number one on that list is, is Thomas Tatar. 
And, you know, he's someone I haven't seen or heard a lot of talk about, but, you know, I look at his season last year, 20 goals, but he had 48 points, I believe. And I know that plus minus is not a invoke stat anymore, but this guy was plus 41 last season. And if you look at the underlying numbers, you know, when he played in New Jersey, a lot of good things were happening when Thomas Tatar was on the ice. And so, you know, maybe the fact that he had just the, the one point uh, in the playoffs and, and, you know, maybe going back over a couple of years has not been as productive in the postseason as he has in the regular season. It scared some teams off. Um, you know, but what I can tell you is there, there's certainly about six or seven teams still knocking at his door right now. And I, I think that he's a player that will sign a contract. I'd be surprised if it had to be a, a PTO. You know, some of the better teams in the league are looking at this guy. You know, you're looking at talking about Florida, Colorado, uh, sniffing around there. I think Carolina might be in there. Uh, Nashville uh, certainly is a team that, that's shown some interest. Even, you know, teams like the Leafs, the Islanders, the Red Wings, I think, have at least nibbled just to see. Because, you know, if you're on the team side of this equation, you're looking at it like, hey, it's getting close to last call here for, for you know, where you're going to move, where you're going to go to training camp, you know, Maybe you can get a, this guy on, on a value deal. And so, you know, he's he's one that I, I think that I would be very, very surprised if we didn't see him sign a contract uh, versus a PTO. You know, some of the other names out there or maybe, you know, veteran players might not be as fortunate. You know, you have guys like Yaroslav Black, Eric Stahl, you know, players that have been around a long time. You know, maybe not as likely to see them get an actual contract. But I think Tatar is probably... You know, other than Patrick Kane, um, you know, and we've, we've sort of been over his situation to a degree, Julian, where he's coming off that hip resurfacing procedure, won't be ready for the start of camp, may not be start, you know, ready to sign a deal at the start of camp, depending what's out there. I, I think that Tatar is, is really a name to keep an eye on. So, uh, I'll say this with Thomas Tatar. He's shown, at least when I remember watching him in Montreal, he can play on a first line if you need him to play there. I know he's not specifically a first line player, but depending on which team he plays for, you could put him up and down your lineup. And I, I think I, I, seeing that flame season as it did made me realize something. You need guys who can get you through the playoffs, but you also need guys who can get you to the playoffs. And I think Thomas Tatar, if you have him in a depth role, he might be a guy who can help you get you to the playoffs. Maybe not necessarily a playoff performer, as you mentioned before, but you sign him on a cheap, maybe on a league min deal or maybe a little higher than that. It's a one-year, one-mil prove-it deal at the age of 32. Maybe he works on your third line. Maybe he works on your fourth line. Yeah, the 20 goals from last year. I, I imagine maybe some teams are a little bit scared and thinking, oh, maybe he might not be able to do that again. But if you can get him on the cheap, I don't think it necessarily hurts to have him on your lineup. Right. Well, I mean, and he did that last year in minutes in New Jersey where, you know, it doesn't look like it's all based on his teammates. If you, if you kind of look under the hood there, uh, you know, I know he's a veteran player, 32 years old is unfortunately getting older in this league. I'm, I'm many years above 32. So that's no comment for me, but it's just kind of the reality of the situation. But I'm with you. I, I, I think that whoever gets him is probably going to get him below what the market value would have been on July 1st. And I think the odds of them regretting that contract are very small. Um, you know, it's similar to maybe a player like Evan Rodriguez last year, signed in September in Colorado and had a really nice year in their sort of middle six uh, of that lineup, you know, was was reasonably productive and, and was just sitting there on the open market into September. I mean, I think that, again, some some players do fall through the cracks. And, and as much as there's not a lot of focus and attention on free agents when we get this close to the season, I, I do think that there's some opportunities out there for teams. Uh, one news item that popped up earlier this morning uh, Lou Lamorello had immediate availability. Uh, the Islanders general manager was asked about Zach Parise. 
Uh, he says he will not come to camp with the New York Islanders, but he did not rule out something later this season. But Parise right now is home in Minnesota. I believe he's 38. I would be surprised if Zach Parise was still able to. Well, I mean, I shouldn't doubt anyone if they're still able to play, but just thinking about Zach Parise still on an HL lineup at 38, like I'm very curious about that situation. Well, he was sneaky productive last year, too. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but in my mind, I think he had 18 or 19 goals um, and, you know, was was playing on a on a very team-friendly deal for the Islanders. You know, the feeling around Parise is that he's only going to play on Long Island if he plays anywhere, that, that you know, essentially that that's, that's you know, where his, his loyalties or his heart lies. You know, the question, of course, is just does he have it in him to play? And, and you know, we've seen lots of players over the years get to that age Julian and they just don't have a full season in them still, but, but, you know, the itch comes back and they signed mid year. You know, I think of, you know, Justin Williams did that in Carolina his last year, you know, wasn't around for the start of the season, but ended up joining them, you know, partway through the year. And so, you know, we'll have to see how things develop with Prize. but, you know, given how productive he was last year, it's hard for me to think he can walk away either. I mean, I, I don't know physically if he's maybe dealing with something that, that hasn't been disclosed that, that, you know, could be part of that. Obviously, family considerations and all those go into those decisions when you're this late in a career as Parise is. But, you know, if the Islanders get off to a start and they're looking like a team that, that will be challenging for the playoffs, I mean, this would be a, a decent ad because, again, I don't think it would be a very cap onerous ad at this point. And, and it's really just, you know, does, does Zach Parise have it in him to, to return and try to play? Okay, which of these statistics on Zach Parise is more impressive? So we were trying to think of his goal tolls from last year. He actually scored 21 goals last year. Ah, 21 I was goals. off by a couple. They off by a couple, but the fact he had a 20-goal season, is that more impressive? Or the fact that over the last two seasons, he has not missed a game. He has played all 82 games from last season and the year before. That is in, That impresses me more. That's, that's amazing. He's 39. Yeah. At that, you know, as you get later in your career, obviously just pumps and bruises and everything adds up. It's like compound interest in a negative way. Um, that work against you playing every game. And so, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that the durability impresses you. I mean, Zach Parise has had a wonderful career. He's always been someone who can put the puck in the net. You know, you would think with with power play usage and the like that, that he's someone who can score goals even as he gets on in time. But, you know, being available like that, that that's uh, that's something. I mean, it kind of makes you think. Again, I, we, we don't have a window into his mind, but it's can you walk away after finishing that way? I mean, or or... You know, even though he's not going to be at camp to, to start things off here in September, you know, when it gets to November, December, maybe there's a there's going to be an itch to, to get back and play. Possibly. At least it seems like the door is open when it comes to the New York Islanders and Zach Parise. And of course, uh, just to wrap this segment up, I mean, Phil Kessel, Patrick Kane, we've discussed him as well. Uh, <laughs> I heard of the SDP boys talking about what, it, well, what if Phil Kessel comes back to Toronto as a random fantasy, but like it'd be kind of funny. I guess, considering his history with that market. But I'm still curious about uh, whether or not, uh, well, where he would want to play, because it seems like he does want to, even if it means the Ironman streak would have to come to an end. Yeah, I mean, that that's apparent that that's what it's going to take. You know, I get that people love a good comeback story or, you know, we've seen lots of legendary athletes or managers, coaches, you know, have a second stint in a city. So I can understand where those guys are coming from. But I... I just look at, you know, the question with Phil Kessel, I think he can still give you some offense. It's just how much are you giving up defensively when he's on the ice at this stage of his career? And so to me, if you look at what the Leafs are, I, I don't know that they're a team that needs to chase that kind of offense. Um, but, you know, Phil Kessel still has his cup parties in Toronto every summer. He still, you know, maintains a closeness to the city. I, I would be surprised. I'd be very surprised. So we won't we won't give that too much life. Um, you know, but. 
I think that there are teams out there that, that probably are looking at their lineup and thinking, man, we need some goals. You know, can we, can we find a role for him on a second power play understanding he's not going to play every back to back and all those sorts of things. I mean, the fact that he wants to play, I think is impressive too. You're we're talking about Parise's durability. I mean, Bill Kessel hasn't missed a game in like 12 NHL seasons. Um, you know, I know he was, was a scratch in the playoffs uh, for the golden Knights last spring, but you know, he's, he's played through everything, including, you remember the birth of his, his first child. He had to fly back, you know, from a game in Detroit to Arizona at the time and, and rejoined the team on the East Coast immediately afterwards. So, you know, his heart's still in it. Um, you know, I, I would have to think he's going to find his way somewhere. And you know, one interesting thing on Kane that we maybe didn't touch on is that, well, he's not in a rush to sign a contract in particular because, you know, he's probably not ready to play till November, December. You know, some of the teams that want to sign him will want to get him signed by opening night. Because if you sign a player once the season has started, the cap hit basically becomes more expensive than the actual contract just because of the, the pro rating of that contract. And so you know, he, he might not have an internal deadline that, that he's wanting to commit to. But I would think just given how many teams are right at the cap ceiling, the kind of teams that would be appealing to Patrick Kane, you know, I would think that they're going to want to have him signed by you know, October 10th or 11th, um, you know, somewhere in that range. And so you know, there's still a few weeks to play with here, but I, I would expect that that'll get a little bit more urgency. We'll call it for a decision as we get into October. Okay. Good point. Siege. Uh, one other topic before we get to ask CJ uh, last week, there were the uh, coaches and general managers uh, meeting together in Chicago, uh, two guests at that meeting, uh, Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman, uh, both members, uh, former members of the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. We all remember the Kyle beach scandal, uh, they were present at this meeting. Uh, obviously, a lot of people were talking about it on Twitter. I'm curious about why they were there. And and I know we, we heard whether or not we heard reports or rumors that maybe both guys were trying to get back with NHL teams this offseason. Uh, what were your impressions of them being at the coaches and GMs meeting the past few days? Any ideas to why they might have been there? Uh, we could talk about this really quickly. Sure. Well, I mean, Joe Quenville and Stan Bowman both do want to resume working in the NHL um, for teams. But at this point in time, they're not permitted to, to seek that kind of employment. And, you know, Gary Bettman made very clear after this meeting on Friday in Chicago that, you know, the, the decision still rests with him and he hasn't made up his mind uh, on if or when that they'll be allowed to do that. I, I think that, you know, one thing they've both done, at least it's my understanding, is is gone through pretty extensive amount of, you know, call it training, um, but also doing events for the league um, to, to sort of, you know, call it the steps on the, on perhaps the way back. You know, I, I don't know if they'll be permitted to be back. You know, it's almost two years since each resigned their posts uh, in Chicago as they're recording this now. Um, and this is probably one of those steps along the way. I mean, they were, they were invited as volunteers. They weren't mandated, of course, uh, not being employed by any NHL teams at the moment. To, to attend this meeting, but I think that they basically detailed their experiences where, you know, they've learned that they made mistakes, things they might have approached differently in future. And, and obviously, you know, you have a room full of all the jams and coaches, which is something that doesn't happen very often. I mean, I, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's happened at times in the past, but this was the first meeting of its kind right before the season. And it's something I think the league's going to continue to do. You know, it's a chance to, to share that, those learnings, those experiences with, um, the others in the room. And so, you know, it's not yet clear exactly what needs to happen next, but ultimately the commissioner has to to clear the way for for either or both of Stan Bowman or, or Joel Quenville to, to to seek employment in the league. And, you know, that hasn't happened at this point in time. But, 
you know, it would seem to, to suggest to me that, that there's still a path back for them. If, if, you know, they, 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 they show that they've, they've learned something here. If they've, if they've gone through training and understanding and, and, um, you know, got to a point where they're there. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't know when that'll happen, but, you know, kind of interesting that they were involved in that meeting and each sort of had to go up there and, you know, bear their soul to a certain degree or, you know, share amongst their peers, um, you know, what their mistakes were, what they've learned and what they could have done better. I'm not an expert with this, but I would have to imagine that Cal Beach has to be part of this process somewhere. Some acknowledgement or apology uh, with the victim of all of this. It's all well and good that uh, these two men have decided that they want to show that they've learned through going through whatever processes that they've gone through to get to that point. But wouldn't it, at least in my head, and I could be totally proven wrong on this, but it would ring hollow to me if they've gone through all these steps and there's no, there's no contact or with with Kyle Beach and all this, but also at the same time, Kyle doesn't have to do that if he wants to. I can I can understand his situation. He can do what he wants, as far as I'm concerned. Him being the victim of 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 something very terrible and tragic, right? And and this is where you know not to draw a direct line between them, but where a lot of the criticism was levied at the Lethbridge Hurricanes and hiring Bill Peters, right? Because Akeem Aliu in that case, you know, hadn't really been. I mean, he hasn't received an apology that that he's deemed acceptable. There's been no conversations between him and Bill Peters, despite a huge amount of time passing. And I think that that's where a lot of people took issue with that. You know, it, it's it's it can be a murky ground in a sense when when someone has been part of something that that is ugly, is awful, is professionally irresponsible. You know, when and how they're allowed back, I think, is is an open question. But but you would think that if if the victims are able to have a say in it, and, and if there's been you know, some level of apology granted and maybe accepted, you know, that that would be part of it. Um, you know, I'm not clear on what the NHL's, how they're handling that or what Kyle Beach feels. I haven't reached out to him, but, you know, I, I would think that that would be part of the discussion before anything changes in terms of the status of those two men. Okay, that's what I would figure too. Uh, really interesting that that happens and then the, uh, not to get into this too much, but the Hockey Canada, Hockey Canada has their own summit beyond the boards where, they're addressing toxic masculinity in the sport. Just really interesting to see that the powers that be uh, there's, there's at least with that federation, they're at least trying to address some of the problems with the sport. Uh, you think of, of what's going on with, with uh, the Chicago situation and the, and the scandals. Well, just the game is a really good game to play. It's a really good game. That's given us great things for our livelihoods. There's just so much work that has to be done in terms of cleaning, cleaning up so many things. Uh, it's, you know, sometimes it can be a little bit hard to process some of that stuff. And I'm really glad that we at least take the time on our show to, you know, dedicate a space to talking about these things and addressing these things and not just talking about stats or who's going to play on the Leafs fourth line. It's really important that our shows talk about these things. Sure. Well, and Hockey Canada was left with no choice, right? I mean, anyone who watched the, the governmental hearings last year and just saw how tone deaf a lot of the message was from that organization. I mean, there's been widespread change at the top since then and and this is a continuing you know i think that process of 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 trying to eliminate the areas that that could lead to the things that have happened in the past and so you know we we won't applaud them too much just yet i mean when i think we still you still need to show the actions it's not just talking about it but you know it does seem that, that hockey can has undergone some pretty meaningful change here in the last 12 months and and you know they're you know, sort of like we dressed last show, they're not in charge at this point of what happens with the 2018 uh, team in particular and the allegations against them. I still think that's in the London police's hands, but 
you know, more and more questions I see about that our colleagues are, are asking of the league. And um, I thought it was interesting, Gary Bettman, I believe he said something along the lines of there's no update on that today uh, when he was asked on Friday at the, at the GM and coaches meeting. So perhaps the, that's a signal that the league is also expecting some kind of news as, as we are as well. This episode of the Chris Johnston show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Do you ever find just as you're trying to fall asleep, your brain suddenly won't stop talking? Do your thoughts start racing before bed or at other inopportune moments? You know, it actually turns out one great way to make those racing thoughts go away is to talk them through. And therapy actually gives you a great place to do that and also to discuss some other things that are personal to you. I know in my personal journey, I've had to go through therapy. And if it's something that you feel it's for you, BetterHelp could be the solution. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can even switch therapists at any time for no additional costs. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Johnston today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Johnston it's time for us to get to ask CJ. So we were able to uh, go through food takes. We actually got some hockey talk in the middle. And now we are able to get two questions from uh, readers and listeners and viewers like you. Remember PBS, that signal, that, uh, that tagline, uh, oh, is yeah. it from viewers like you? Yeah. You're a PBS viewers like you. Yeah. Viewers like you. I don't know if I was a kid. I mean, I grew up on the sticks. <laughs> so PBS was on the, was one of the channels we had. So yeah, well, yeah, of course it would have been. Well, I'm trying to think like what shows on people are you a big like Arthur guy or what shows on PBS would you have watched? You might yeah, have been you're too, asking me to go too far back in the memory bank. You might have been too early watched, for Zabuma food. Oh yeah, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> don't ask me the plot of that. <laughs> no, I won't ask you the plot of Zabuma food. Um, let's get to some of these questions. Uh, thank you to everyone on Twitter uh, who sent in questions. Uh, it wouldn't be an ask CJ if someone didn't ask a Leafs question from Paul Sakonin. What would you say is the absolute deadline for a William Nylander 88 contract? Uh, he wrote WN 88. So that's why I read out 88. I personally think it's the all-star game because Toronto wouldn't want that weekend to be dominated media by that topic media wise. Also, if Nylander were to be traded, which three teams make your shortlist for possible destinations? Maybe we steal that last part for a segment of our own. I don't know. <laughs> Well, not to be glib, I think the deadline is June 30th, 2024. I mean, I could still I could see a scenario where the Leafs sort of keep William Nylander as their own rental through this season, through the playoffs, and then take a run at signing him in the offseason. I mean, they've done that in the past with some players. Um, you know, not maybe of the, the level or caliber of William Nylander, but I mean, even as someone like David Camp, for example, uh, played last year on the final year of his deal, and the Leafs signed him to a four-year extension during the draft weekend. In Nashville, again, not not equating them directly in terms of skill sets or what the contract looks like, but I, I think that the Leafs, you know, have some ability to be patient here, and I don't I don't think they'll be setting deadlines. I think ultimately, here's the thing about deadlines: they have to be real. If if you establish a deadline negotiation and it's sort of a fake deadline, then it, it doesn't really serve its purpose, right? And so the real deadline is July first, twenty twenty four. William Nylander can sign with other teams if he doesn't have an extension in place with the Leafs, and so. I think they really have all of the time up until that point to, to try to sign him. Of course, they'd like to get it done sooner. They'd like to get it done today uh, if they could get it in a number range that they feel that they could make work. But, um, you know, I, I don't I don't think they need to establish anything sooner. You know, as for what teams would be a fit, 
it's a little tough to say. You know, I've seen some people link him to Anaheim, um, which would make some sense to me in the sense that that's a team, you know, that that is going to need some players around kind of the core they're building. But, you know, they have a similar problem as a lot of teams that are climbing their way up is, is they've got to start paying these guys now, right? I mean, they have Trevor Zegris, as we're recording this, unsigned in, in the moment. And, and they've got some promising young players on their roster that are going to be moving out of entry-level contracts and into to bigger deals. And so you have to see if you can make the pie fit. Um, you know, I, I think at this point, it's almost too hard to link Nylander to two specific teams. But, you know, what you're looking for is teams that can use a first-line talent that can pay someone something like $9 million or above and, you know, really need an injection of offense and, and maturity. And so, you know, I, there are teams that probably fit that profile out there. But, you know, I believe that the focus in the meantime is really going to be for Nylander on playing in Toronto. I don't I don't think that that's – that's playing the the crowd. That's playing a game. I think that that's really what he wants to happen. And now it's down to the Leafs and his camp to see if they can make something work. Uh, today's edition of a Leafs Corner is sponsored by no one. <laughs> Unsullied by sponsorship since 2021. Uh, next question from Hockey Collective. Uh, actually, they're individual questions for both of us. For Julius. Nice. How many games does Dustin Wolf get in net for the Flames this year? For Chris, how many games does Joseph Wall get in the net for the Leafs this year? Go with Wolf first. Okay. Um, I'm putting the cap at 10 for Dustin Wolf. So obviously in this market in Calgary, Dustin Wolf uh, looks like the heir apparent to be the next starter for this team when it comes time for his chance. The only thing is Jacob Markstrom's there. He has an NMC. He's getting paid decently enough. Dan Vladar is also there. He's starting the first year of that uh, two-year contract extension he signed last season. Uh, but this is a kid who's really good. Back-to-back MVP seasons. Something's going to have to give. Is there a possibility that like the Flames could start all three goalies? It, there's a weird cap thing that they would have to clear in order for that to work. But if Dustin Wolf has himself a really good camp, I think it's going to be really hard to ignore his progress and he's going to need some NHL games. I don't think the Flames have to force him in any situation. I believe he is still waiver exempt. But I think if you're the Calgary Flames and you have Dustin Wolf laying in wait and he needs that experience, he needs that time. The organization knows he does. At some point, I think they're going to have to get him in some games, I, I especially if he has a really good training camp. I would say if he plays this coming season, it would be no more than 10 games because I don't see it unless... Unless the team feels he's they're, they're that confident in him, they're going to move out Dan Vladar, he's still going to be number three on that depth chart. But I can see him getting NHL games. He got one at the end of last year. There is a scenario where, you know, if you want to give Jacob Markstrom a bit of time to relax and 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 chill before the playoffs, you get Dustin Wolf in some games. So I, I would say no more than 10 for Dustin Wolf. Uh, what about you, Siege, for Joseph Wall? Well, you know, Walt is not waiver exempt, meaning he would have to clear waivers to be sent to the American Hockey League. And so I would be very surprised if the Leafs were doing that with a young goaltender who's, who's you know, shown some promise. I mean, he enters training camp as the number two on the depth chart. The, the Leafs also signed Martin Jones to be a veteran sort of number three option for them, uh, who would, would obviously require waivers himself if the Leafs were to send him down. But you know, because Wool had such a you know strong year, exceptional year, really, in the AHL last year, and, and performed well in the NHL. I think that they're going to give him games, uh, obviously, this season. I, I could see him playing 25 games, maybe even a little bit more. I mean, it's it's going to depend on performance, right? Uh, but Ilya Samsonov, who's the Leafs' number one or 1A, you know, this is a tandem league nowadays. Samsonov has, has not 
shouldered a true sort of traditional number one workload, never played anything like 60 games in a season. And so the Leafs are going to have to get it done a little bit by committee. And I think ideally, and, and this is if everything works out, Wall would be the guy he's, he's largely splitting starts with. I, I just don't know if it's going to be too much too soon. You know, Brad True Living has mentioned, um, you know, going back to when he was hired, that he's seen young goaltenders in the past show promise one year and then take a step back. And so I think clearly it's on the minds of Leafs management that Wall is no guarantee to be a, a true backup at this stage. But I think he'll be given every opportunity. And if he performs well, 25 or 30 games, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. Uh, from Sasha, what is going to happen with the Shane Pinto situation in Ottawa? Well, they're going to sign him at some point, I would suspect. I mean, the, he's he's kind of squeezed out a little bit by their circumstances because the Senators are, are pretty close to the salary cap ceiling right now. You know, he's earned a contract above what they can pay him. I think they have somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to 900000 in space as we're, we're recording this now. And, you know, his next deal is probably going to be something in the, the $2 million range, give or take. And so... You know, I think that that this might take some time to play out, whether it's a trade of someone else out of Ottawa or maybe some other cap machinations that organization can perform. Um, but, you know, I, I think ultimately this will will go in a positive direction. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a tough cap environment that, that and, and, you know, every team has a player or two that gets squeezed. Or as I mentioned in the previous segment, sometimes a free agent spends a little longer on the open market than, than certainly they would like. And I think that's sort of where, where Pinto and the Senators are at right now. I don't think this is a matter of bad blood or anything like that. It's just uh, trying to make those numbers work. And right now the Senators are having trouble doing that. Okay, one more for you. I am sitting – this is from Jason Habs. I am sitting here watching an NFL Red Zone. Could the NHL do this? I suggest the Saturday night NHL Ice Zone. <laughs> I guess what do you do? You do power plays. You do overtimes. Um, because you, I mean, you it's have such, to scoring situations. Right. I mean, it's such a free-flowing game. Otherwise, it would be hard at five-on-five, five, I, I would think, to, to do a red zone. I mean, we've seen, you know, there was an ice surfing that Sportsnet did back in the day, but that was more just jumping from game to game, having people talk about it. I think on a busy enough schedule, you could probably between power plays and overtimes largely fill the gap. But then there might be there might be some times where you're just showing five on five and the teams are just going back and forth because that's all there is. But um, I watch, you know, I, I'll say this when I'm home on a, a given night watching NHL games. If, if I see a game goes to overtime, I'm usually just clicking just to you know, I like to see with three on three. Those tend to be the most exciting times to watch. I, I don't know that it works perfect. It's not not. A little bit of apples and oranges from what red zone is to the NFL, but I, you know, I think it works. Uh, I wanted to end the episode there, but literally as you were answering that question, uh, the Vancouver Canucks have officially announced uh, Quinn Hughes as the 15th captain in team history. Oh, immediate reaction to a uh, Quinn Hughes being named captain. Well, I'm not surprised, right? I mean, Quinn Hughes, I think really this choice comes down to Quinn Hughes and Elias Pedersen. If you're the Canucks and and this is not to simplify it, but Elias Pettersson isn't signed beyond next year. You don't know what's happening there. Quinn Hughes has signed a longer-term deal. I don't know that there is a wrong or, or right choice between those two per se. And so, you know, I, I think it's I think it's a great choice. And there's lots of opportunity now to put an A on on the sweater of Pettersson, and that's you know two thirds or whatever however many A's you give out. But it's it's you know a big part of your leadership group and and. You know, we all knew this next phase of the Canucks for these last few seasons would be built around those players since they kind of established themselves in the league. And, you know, the Canucks have slowly moved other guys out and, and built a team around them. And so 
I, I, I like the, I like the choice. I do think teams that go a few years without a captain, it can be tough. I, I know it's largely a symbolic role, but there is a lot of practical things behind the scenes and, and other areas. And, you know, this, this establishes kind of partly an identity of what the Canucks want to be moving forward. So, you know, I, I like the choice. I don't know that there was a wrong one to make and, you know, it might've been different perhaps if, if Pedersen had signed a long-term deal this, this summer. I mean, I don't think that that's the, by means, the only differentiator, but, um, you know, it does, it does play in your mind though. If you're, if you're going to put that C on someone's sweater and you don't know if they're going to be here next year. Yeah. I would have thought if, if Elias Pedersen was signed, he'd be the guy, uh, obviously Quinn Hughes matters a lot to that organization as part of their leadership core. So it does make sense why they would give him the C in some respect, but I, I really thought it would go to Elias Pedersen, but we'd all figured that situation would be resolved, but we just have to see what the Vancouver Canucks do. Uh, with that situation. Well, we were able to catch what that. Year. I mean, about to wrap of up. all yeah. the teams, Julian, when I think about it, like that, it's a fascinating year in Vancouver. Oh, yeah. I know there's a lot of focus in that market on getting off to a good start. It's something they haven't been able to do in, in the past. You know, they're, they're, you know, how, like every year, everyone's like in the best shape of their life. You know, it becomes like a meme on Twitter. This is becoming yes. a new meme. But how many teams are talking about how many of their players are in town early? Like, it feels like that's, like one of the new things that every team is saying, but I know the Canucks have been encouraged by, by how many players have been there skating uh, well ahead of training camp. You know, I've heard that out of multiple other markets too. So that's, that's the new like best shape of our life for a training camp. Like if we played bingo of things that every team seems to say, um, but it's the, the stakes for this season, I think are really, really high in Vancouver because if, if they don't take show some progression, I, I think they're going to have some really difficult decisions uh, next summer. So you know, it's a big time for the organization to name a captain and try to set a tone and, uh, you know, make sure this year doesn't go the way the last couple seasons have done. Yep. Well done, uh, Siege, uh, to get on that. Well, we were able to scoop that in at the end of our show. We thought this was just going to be a chill, relaxed episode with no real new news going on, trying to see what we could come up with. And at the very end, breaking news. We like that. The news we gods like always give. I found that over the years. You just wait long enough, something will happen. We'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode of the CJ Show. Uh, continue to go through the preseason, our own preseason anyway, before the actual NHL preseason. Uh, it's better we do this now as opposed to episode 23-24 later on in the season, and we're not at 100%. We get these in now so we can win in you know the summer or whenever the Stanley Cup final is. <laughs> For CJ, uh, I'm Julian. So long and peace. Cowboys are one and zero, baby. One oh my God, we need to get stop this, stop this. The Chris Johnson Show, powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at Reporter Chris and follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.